Welcome to Roaming West River, the podcast that takes you on a journey through South Dakota's wonders. In this podcast, we'll be exploring the best of South Dakota, from the iconic Mount Rushmore to the rugged beauty of the Badlands. Join us as we discover hidden gems and explore the great outdoors. Whether you're a seasoned traveler or a curious first-timer, this podcast is for you. So pack your bags, grab your hiking boots, and come along for a ride as we discover the wonders of South Dakota. Welcome to our pilot podcast of Roaming West River. I'm your host, Miranda Cruz. By day, I teach biology in one of our local public high schools. My husband, Neil, is also a high school teacher here in Rapid. Um, We moved here with our great Pyrenees Spice a few years ago, and we've been spending all of our breaks from teaching, exploring, and taking in everything we can in our new home state of South Dakota. So I'm pretty excited to be spending time roaming West River and telling you fine folks about it. Along for the ride is my friend and long-term or long-time roamer of West River, South Dakota, uh, retired elementary teacher and current West River tour guide, Jeff Nugent. Thank you, Miranda. I'm very pleased to be here. Good afternoon, everyone. I do live near Piedmont, South Dakota with my wife, Brenda, and our Boykin Spaniel, Angus. Piedmont, or foot of the mountain, is just about halfway between Rapid City and the famous, although sometimes infamous, city of Sturgis, South Dakota. I've been presenting tours and telling stories for Black Hills Open Top Tours for eight years. Today, we'd like to share one of the driving industries in the Black Hills area of West River, tourism. Miranda, I'm thinking before we get to Mount Rushmore, perhaps you can explain the term West River for our non-South Dakota listeners. Yeah, so South Dakota is located in the center of the United States. Our state is shaped like a rectangle. So on our eastern borders, we have Minnesota and Iowa. 400 miles to the west, we have Wyoming and Montana. Our northern neighbor is North Dakota, and 200 miles south of there is Nebraska. The Missouri River bisects our states into an east and west half that are referred to as East and West River. You know, that's um, I tell that story that we are the center of the nation, and often I get skeptical looks from folks wondering, how can South Dakota be the center of the nation? So keep in mind, folks, Alaska is very large. And when the U.S. added that in 1959, the center of the nation shifted and it was determined to be near um, Belfouche, South Dakota, in our northern Black Hills. So the Black Hills are a small and very old mountain range located in the far west of South Dakota, and they extend into Wyoming. Yes, uh, Devil's Tower is in the Black Hills of Wyoming, but it's not far from here. The hills, as we call them, are older than the Rockies and once stood near 15,000 feet in elevation. Some rocks are 2 billion years old. Um, The hills are about 130 miles long, mostly north to south and approximately 70 miles wide, with over a million acres of national forests. And all of this is open to the public for hiking, biking, fishing and hunting and even panning for gold. So today we're going to move to South Dakota's number two industry, uh, number one here in the Rapid City Black Hills area, tourism. Our number one industry is agriculture. Rapid City and the surrounding communities throughout the hills rely heavily upon a seasonal tourism. While we have things open all year, the majority of our visitors are in the area from mid-May through um, mid-October. They come to see the monuments of Crazy Horse and Devil's Tower, 110 square miles of Custer State Park, 
with its herd of 1,500 bison and, and also the Needles Highway. Um, to the east, they come to see the vast spaces of Badlands National Park, which is about 244,000 acres with its bison and bighorn sheep. Another very popular area in the Northern Hills, which includes historic Lee, Deadwood, and Spearfish Canyon, but the number one bit, um, bucket list destination is Mount Rushmore with an average of visitation of 3 million folks annually. Yeah, Rushmore is most definitely the driving force for our tourism. So Mount Rushmore, folks, lies about 25 miles southwest of West River's largest town, Rapid City. And just keep in mind, without Mount Rushmore, most tourism in the hills would be greatly reduced or perhaps even non-existent. Jeff, I recently rode with you on a tour that included Mount Rushmore, Crazy Horse, and Custer State Park. It was all so breathtaking, but our focus today is Mount Rushmore. Would you share the story you told on that tour? Yeah, I'd be very happy to do that. Um, I've told the story, I'm gonna tell you, uh, that I told on the tour, well over a thousand people. And you know, whether I'm doing wall drug to the east of Rapid City or Crazy Horse, or uh, I, I share the, the history of Mount Rushmore because everything drives off Rushmore. And uh, before I get there, I think there's a commonly used adage of, a picture is worth a thousand words. And that is so true that you have to see these things. You can't just talk about them. But um, the impressive monuments and the vast breathtaking spaces need to be viewed. I'd, I'd like to add, however, every site has a story and some of the stories are incredible. So in 91, when they filmed Dances with Wolves in West River, South Dakota, the many Oscars the film received were Best Picture, Kevin Costner, um, Best Director, Kevin Costner, excuse me. It also won Best Picture and Best Cinematography, which was kind of easy to do out here. So while the visuals are stunning, there is a narrative that completes the experience. So you wouldn't watch the entire movie on mute, on mute mode, but my long-winded point here is there's stories and visuals and they truly enhance the experience. And Mount Rushmore? All right, here we go. So 100 years ago, 1923, our state historian, whose name was Doan Robinson, and he was in Pierre, South Dakota. I know it looks like Pierre, but we say Pierre. And he was reading about the carvings at Stone Mountain, Georgia, near Atlanta, the Confederate figures. And he had this epiphany that we should carve something on the Needles, those are large rock formations in uh, Custer State Park, Needles Highway up in the six, 7,000 foot elevation. So his idea was maybe we should carve Wild Bill Hickok or Calamity Jane who are buried up in Deadwood or maybe Lewis and Clark who traveled through this area uh, in early 1800s. So he contacted Guts and Borglum and Borglum agreed to come visit us in 1924, and they went up the Needles Highway, and the Needles Highway was just opened in 1922, so it was very young highway. And when Borglum looked at these rock formations in the Needles, remember now, you, they're two billion years old, and they're old and they're weathered, and they wanted these full-bodied Wild West characters, and Borglum didn't think it would work, and so he rejected the idea, and he left. Well, he returned to the Black Hills in 1925, and he was in the area of what we now call Mount Rushmore. The name Mount Rushmore comes from a man named Charles Rushmore, who back in 1885, he was a lawyer from New York, and he was in the area, I think he was working for the gold companies, and he, he was hunting. And he asked his guide, well, what's the name of that mountain? 
1885, the bison had been wiped out, which forced the natives onto agencies that we now call reservations. So there was nobody there to tell them the name of that mountain is the six grandfathers. So the guide looked at the map. There's no name. And he said, well, we'll call it Rushmore after you. Well, anyway, back to Borglum, 1925, he wants to create what we call the Shrine of Democracy. And so he doesn't really want to do these Wild West characters. He he has and he chose George Washington, Tom Jefferson, uh, Teddy Roosevelt and Abraham Lincoln. And he presents this idea to Don Robinson and they think it sounds good. And they told him, well, why don't you start planning? And then they went to the state legislature to get funded. Well, the legislature, which is dominated mostly by the agricultural community then, they said, we're not going to give you a million dollars for a rock in the middle of nowhere. So they didn't have funding. So they decided in 1927, let's invite President Coolidge and his wife Grace here, and we'll see if we can schmooze him and get some funding from D.C. for this project. So like most states, we don't want to pay for it. We want everybody else to pay for it. So President Coolidge uh, lets them know he will come for a three-week vacation, and they are going to put him in Custer State Park in the State Game Lodge. The Game Lodge was built in 1919. If you go see it today, it says 1919, but little known secret is no, it was really built in 1921 because the first one burned down right after he built it. Well, anyway, President uh, Coolidge is going to come. So they asked a man named C.C. Gideon. Hey, he was the builder of the game lunch. And, and Gideon has approached, would you like to take the president trout fishing, fly fishing for trout? And they said, oh, I'd be honored to do that. Where, where am I going to take him? And they said, we're going to fence off the creek right there. And we're going to dump truckloads of trout from the fish hatchery in there. And then you take him there. And so they did. And he caught these fish. And I'm pretty sure they didn't tell him, hey, we put the trout in there for you. <laughs> right. And so the president loved it here. And he decided to stay a little bit longer. And remember, Silent Cal is from out east. So uh, on his statue in downtown Rapid City, he's wearing a cowboy hat and a boots because then he stayed longer and longer and he played cowboy and he rode around with Gideon and, and he loved it here. So his three weeks turned into three months. So August of 27, Borglum's ready to go, no money. So he took the bull by the horns, hires a pilot out of Rapid City, fly me over the game lodge, drops a note to the president, inviting him to the uh, opening ceremony, which was August 9 of 27. So Grace and, and Calvin are at the opening ceremony and they have this kind of stage. He has the drill bits, he hands them over to Borglum. Borglum starts putting on a show on the mountain and so the mountain began. But 90% of Mount Rushmore's carbon dynamite. Remember, two billion years old, it's old and it's weathered. And they remove 450,000 tons of rock before they, you know, start the honeycomb and the facing. So the honeycomb process was drill these holes, maybe two inches in diameter, and then the thin piece between the holes could be chiseled out. And then they'd use a facing bit to smooth it out. So from 27 to 41, and I'm keeping it really simple, it's, it's more complicated than that. But um, So then they had some delays in the 30s, the Great Depression, because Congress thought, mm, looks kind of bad to send money. So Borglum struggled to make payroll and there was conflicts there. So I'm going to move quickly ahead to early 1941 when the people at Rushmore are informed you have until October and there will be no more money. Well, sadly, Borglum passed away in March of 41. His son, James Lincoln Borglum, was his top assistant at that time. He agreed to stay on. And in October of 41, they shut it down. And so 
it never was completed as Borglum had planned. I just think that is all so interesting. My favorite part of what you just said is um, how Mount Rushmore is not named after the person that started the carvings or had the idea. It's named after a, a lawyer from New York. So that's super crazy to me. But then the other thing that just kind of blows my mind is that mountain was already named the six grandfathers by the Lakota people from that area. And, and, you know, they had no idea of that before they started carving. So that's just super, both of those things are just super interesting to me. Um, okay. So it was never completed. Um, what does that mean? Can you share a few examples? Sure. So if you visit Mount Rushmore, there's, there's a trail that's called the presidential trail and it's not always open due to weather and so forth. But if you take that all the way to the bottom, there's a studio where Borglum worked on his model. And I don't know the exact type, maybe 10, 12 foot plaster model there. And he would work on that and look up at the mountain and they would use the model then. And he had measuring devices, a plumb bob and a template and so on. And so it was a scale of one to 12. One inch on his model was 12 inches up on the mountain and so forth. So there's more specs to it than just blasting and, and drilling holes. But anyway, um, you can go visit that model and stand there and look at it and look out the window. And one of the things you obviously see is, where's Abe's ear? So Abe has an ear on the model. He doesn't have one on the mountain. Abe's left hand is supposed to be kind of clutching his lapel. And if you look at the mountain, particularly in morning light when it's a little bit better, you, you'll see there's sort of a hand there, but only maybe three fingers. It's not there. Um, George on the other side, you can see his lapel and where he's roughed out. He was supposed to be his torso there, but it, it wasn't finished because, um, you know, the 41, they shut it down. Now, another thing, it, it's not something that was incomplete, but a little known secret. If you look to George's right, um, the mountain is, it's like shaved. It's, it's, well, Tom was started there and he was almost completed and it began to crumble and so forth. Well, in the 1930s, and I suppose even today, you can't put granite back in place. So they finally decided, okay, let's shave this off and reconfigure it the way you see it today. Okay, so when you take folks to Mount Rushmore, besides the mountain, what do they see? Well, get to the parking lot. My first stop is on the way up to the Avenue of Flags. There's a big list, polished granite, of the nearly 400 workers who worked at this site from 27 to 41. So I like to point to the name Korshak Zulkowski because generally on that tour, we're going to Crazy Horse later, and he was the man who was asked in 1939 to come and do Crazy Horse. So he was asked by Henry Standing Bear, we want crazy horse. We have heroes too. Um, but that's a subject for another podcast. So we'll do that one someday. Um, I like to point out Donald and we call him Nick, Nick Clifford. Um, I think I've heard about Nick. Is that the baseball player? Yeah, yeah, he is. Um, so Lincoln Borglum, that's Guts and Borglum's son. He loved baseball. And of course, most of us know that in the 20s and 30s, baseball was king. And the workers had their own team called the Rushmore Drillers. So in 1938 or 39, 18-year-old Nick Clifford was hired. Um, he was a fairly accomplished pitcher. I think he also played some outfield. Uh, so they gave him a job to work on the mountain and then pitch for their team. So he was a ringer. And the other thing about Nick, who I was lucky enough to meet a few times, 
before he passed away. He was the last living person who worked on Mount Rushmore. So Nick passed away in 2019 in November. He was 98 years old. So today, well then, I, I don't know, but I think it's still available. His book was available in the gift shop. So Nick used to sit there on Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, and if you went in there and bought his book, he would autograph it. And then in the back was his baseball card from way back in the day. Wow, that's such an that's so cool. Um, you showed us many things on the tour the other day. What are some hidden gems or nuances that some people might miss? Yeah, um, so I, I mentioned earlier the presidential trail. Now you walked the presidential trail. What, what did you think of that? Um, I think it's a very unique experience that a lot of visitors miss. Um, after viewing the plaque and taking in the Avenue of Flag, which is flags, I'm sorry, is which is the 50 states and three territories, uh, we viewed Mount Rushmore from the viewing terrace. Um, below the terrace is the Lincoln Borglum room with exhibits um, with a 14-minute film. Um, when we completed the film, we took the presidential trail. It leads directly under the four carvings. It was a phenomenal experience, really. Um, if you stay on the trail, you can view Borglum Studio as well which has Borglum's large model of his vision. Uh, so what else? Well, one of the surprises, and it, it's really kind of funny sometimes, because when you view this, it's, it's right on a road, and people driving by sometimes don't look up and see this, and it's called the profile. So you pull in there, and you look up at a gap on the mountain, and you only see George Washington, his profile, and it's known as the profile. Um, the profile also, when we traveled to Custer State Park, so you're quite a distance away. I, I don't know what it is, 10, 15 miles. But you climb Mount Coolidge, you're at about 6,100 feet in elevation. And Mount Coolidge is the highest point in the park. And from the top, you can point to people say, okay, look that way, there's Crazy Horse, there's the Needles, there's uh, Black Elk Peak, which is the highest point in the United States on this side of the Rockies. And then you say, there's Mount Rushmore. Now, you don't see all of Mount Rushmore, what you see is the profile. So it's almost the same angle from 15 miles away as from the profile parking lot up close. Then also, uh, sometimes when I'm leaving Rapid City with guests and I have certain hills or places, in the morning, when the light is shining on the faces, I'll say, okay, look over there, find that white spot on the mountain. That's Mount Rushmore. And sometimes, you know, you tell them, hey, we're 23 miles away. And uh, yeah, so those are some things I think a lot of people miss. Yeah, and I, I remember the first time I saw the profile up close and I was like, it was such a, just a wow moment for me, just because you're so incredibly close. Right. When in all the other places you feel so far away. Um, okay, so you know that I'm a huge filming location nerd. Can you indulge me and tell me what you know about Mount Rushmore and pop culture, like as in movies? Well, we were talking about this one the other day, and you said you had never seen it. So <laughs> um, my favorite film using Mount Rushmore was from 1959, and that is North by Northwest. So it's a famous Alfred Hitchcock movie. Uh, the stars, Cary Grant, Eva Marie Saint, James Mason. And, I, and my wife and I, I had it on the other day on TCM. I made it through the whole movie. I don't think she did. Um, it's a four-star movie. So the cast and crew were here. I, think like September 1958. Uh, they stayed in one of our downtown hotels called Alex Johnson. And uh, which interest Alex Johnson began 
the day after they began Mount Rushmore, as, as an aside there. But most of the scenes from Mount Rushmore were in a studio down in Hollywood, but they were here. So a couple scenes that were actually filmed here. So when Eva Marie shoots him in the restaurant, that actually was at Rushmore. When they took Cary Grant's body and put it into the station wagon, that was in the parking lot. And then they did some distant shots of the memorial. They used those. But most of them, like when the bad guy falls off the the monument that's in a studio gotcha and that's the alfred Hitch, Hitch, alfred hitchcock movie right it is <laughs> okay. so alfred i read this the other day um he he, he just always said i i, I want to have a movie where somebody falls off mount rushmore and i don't i'm not a real movie buff but he had another movie where the bad guy fell off the statue of liberty so who knows that must be his thing <laughs> or maybe yeah, it was yeah, for a couple yeah. of movies anyway right. okay what about national treasure well, yeah, most of us feel Mount Rushmore is a national treasure. But uh, yeah, I'm familiar with 2007 uh, National Treasure 2. So toward the end of the picture, the camera goes over Mount Rushmore and the viewers see Nicolas Cage uh, on Sylvan Lake. So I don't get many questions anymore, but quite a few years ago, people say, so there's a lake up there, right? And I said, no, there's no lake up on top of Mount Rushmore. But Sylvan Lake is where they filmed that. And that is in Custer State Park. And that's up in the 6,000 foot range. And it's our iconic picture picturesque lake in the hills um, so it was filmed here um, yeah and it's also near the needles highway so it's a lot of touristy things all in a small little area up there yeah i know sylvan lake is a huge instagram spot for a lot of people so sometimes you go out there and it's just packed um, with people right. um okay so jeff share one last secret today well, the one, I don't know that this is a super secret. I think everybody in this area knows this, but uh, tourists, particularly if they're on their own, and I'm waiting for my guests at Mount Rushmore, I'm often asked and I direct them to this thing and they often don't know anything about it. So it can be very crowded at Mount Rushmore and just a few miles away down the hill between Mount Rushmore and the town of Keystone is the breathtaking Iron Mountain Road. So on maps, people, if you're looking for this, sometimes it's called 16A. So many visitors who are on their own, they'll miss this gym. Yeah, I would agree. And I think that is um, a, a spot that you should not miss if at all possible. So can you please share a little bit more about that? Sure. So this was a road that was designed by U.S. Senator uh, from South Dakota, Peter Norbeck. Now, Peter Norbeck pretty important guy to South Dakota history. So before he was senator, he was governor. So he's the one that created Custer State Park. He's the one that created um, the Needles Highway that we mentioned earlier. And during Mount Rushmore as U.S. Senator, he was instrumental in getting funding for the monument. So the road is designed to take folks on a very scenic, slow drive from Mount Rushmore to Custer State Park. So the idea was if we build it, they'll come, and they do. And what else are we gonna show them? So when you enter this road, very early into your thing, you come to this spiral bridge and it's known as a pigtail bridge. And these were designed by C.C. Gideon. So if you remember, he's the guy that took the president fishing for trout. He designed the state game lodge. 
And then there's three of these bridges along the drive, and then we have our fabled tunnels, and each one of them will frame the monument. So the first one, this is very fun, because you'll be standing there with your guests, and cars are coming through the other way, and they're trying not to hit the tunnel, obviously. And sometimes they'll look at you, and we're all looking through the tunnel, and then they stop and they, oh, we didn't know that was back there. So you look through the tunnel, and it frames um, Mount Rushmore. So I think, you know, that, like you said, that's a must-see when it, you're here. Yeah, it definitely is. And I remember um, the first time when I was still a tourist coming out here to visit, um, the first time I went through the tunnels, and I was on Iron Mountain Road, and I saw Mount Rushmore being framed by... Um, one of the tunnels it was just very breathtaking and just it was, it was just very impressive so please make sure you stop and see that for sure i'm going to interrupt you just for a second there because one thing i would recommend to people do it in the morning because later in the afternoon george is more prominent he'll put a shadow and if you go in the morning particularly sunny morning and you're coming through that tunnel, it just lights up the end of the tunnel. There they are. So, yeah. And you had also mentioned trying to visit Mount Rushmore in the morning as well for the same yeah, reasons, I think right? I, I, that's like if I'm doing a tour and, and Rushmore's included, I like to go there first. They face east, morning light. You don't have any shadows. And, you know, if, if it's a bucket list trip, you know, that works best. And then if later you go to Crazy Horse, you're viewing that from the west. So you, you, you're not going to have that same problem there. Yeah. So thank you, Jeff. You're most welcome, and it was my pleasure. And thank you for joining us on Roaming West River. Please join us for podcast episode number two when we take Highway 16A, a.k.a. Iron Mountain Road, um, what we were just talking about, to Custer State Park. On the way to the park, we'll visit Gideon's Pigtail Bridges, the Doan Robinson Tunnel, and we'll enter Custer State Park. Um, where we'll seek the wily bison. It is spring and the baby bison, AKA we cinnamon abound. Until next time, I am Miranda with my accomplice, Jeff. If you'd like to book a tour, you can check out the link in our show notes and you can actually ask specifically for Jeff. Um, and you can also see some of the pictures of some of the things we mentioned today in this episode in those show notes.